0: public health funding is always an issue, and we have seen that firsthand during this COVID-19 pandemic. So have we learned our lesson? Will funding public health at proper levels be a priority going forward in this country? We wanted to dig into the idea of funding public health, so we caught up with John Auerbach. He is the president and CEO of Trust for America's Health. It's a nonprofit that focuses on public health policy and research. They have a new report out on public health funding in the U.S., interesting conversation. Give a listen. So take me back to to late 29. What was the funding overall situation for public health in this country? It seems like it's something that was chronically underfunded. Am I pretty correct on that?
1: You you are indeed. Um, We actually began to see a significant reduction in public health investments uh, following the recession in 2008 and 2009 Uh, At that time, tens of thousands of jobs were lost in public health, and they were never restored. So since then, we've seen a loss of the workforce and reductions in funding at the federal level, CDC, as well as at the state and the local level, uh, with the occasional infusion of short-term money when an emergency happens.
0: How much was the U.S. pandemic response uh, hampered by a lack of funding, especially in the early days?
1: Yeah. By a significant amount. In the early days, what we needed was epidemiologists who could be the disease detectives identifying cases and who might have been exposed and trying to contain COVID before it spread. And we needed uh, laboratory capacity to do the tests quickly and in, in the uh, state public laboratories. Uh, and we needed good communicators. And the health department's tried very hard, responded professionally, but they just didn't have enough people. And so they were uh, unable to accomplish what they needed in order to prevent the spread of the illness or reduce it significantly.
0: From a funding standpoint, where are we now?
1: Well, we've done what we've tended to do over the last 20 years, which is to say, wait until an emergency occurs, begin debate, In Congress about how much money should be devoted to that emergency, and then over time invest a lot that with the understanding that it's short-term money and that it can only be spent on COVID and that it will go away. And the problem with that is it looks like we're investing a significant amount in the COVID response, but we're not doing it as effectively as we can because we're expecting those underfunded, already stretched to the limit, public health officials who are working 24-7 to be able to handle lots of new money when it comes with the complications of advertising, hiring, training people, getting them up to speed, contracting with new vendors in a competitive process, getting those vendors prepared, knowing all the time that Twelve months, eighteen months after you hire someone or start a contract, it'll be defunded because it was COVID-specific money and can't be spent on anything else.
0: Yeah, I mean that's real. Isn't consistent funding the silver bullet that you know what you can spend and you can make those long-term decisions that see you, you know, before a crisis, during and after a crisis? It it just would seem to make. Too much sense to, you know, have a consistent idea of what you're dealing with.
1: That's that's absolutely right. Uh, if we invest in the workforce and the personnel and uh, the technology that's necessary, we will uh, reduce or avert emergencies. We'll have people in place day in day out. The kind of emergency we have now. infectious disease pandemic, isn't the only kind of emergency we've seen over the last decade. We've seen a record number of weather-related emergencies. Uh, The federal government under Republican as well as Democratic administrations declared more weather-related emergencies in the last several years than they've ever done in history. And we've seen other kinds of emergencies, like you may remember a couple of years ago, we had Uh, emergencies associated with the risks of vaping that required public health response. We also have violent-related emergencies, uh, mass shootings and the like, where public health has to respond. So there's a series of these emergencies that public health has to be prepared to respond to, sometimes more than one emergency at the same time.
0: How much of a challenge, and it seems to me in reading the report and talking to other people in public health, one of the great challenges of the concept of public health is it when it's working it's invisible and it makes it very hard to get the funding you need because people don't think it it's needed because well nobody has smallpox we're not dealing with any of this so why are we spending this money without understanding the idea that the preventative is the key. The fact that it is working should be celebrated. But how much of a challenge is that in the public health funding idea that in a way it's its own worst enemy because the better it works, the less you hear about it?
1: It is a major problem. You want public health to prevent bad things from happening. But like you say, if you can't see those bad things, you can't tell what's been prevented. You may not appreciate the value of prevention. And the other issue that arises that makes it challenging is this notion of wrong pocket, is sometimes the way that it's referred to. Investing in public health may result in a savings in some other sector. Uh, maybe it's the healthcare sector, it could also be the education sector or prisons. The way that uh, policymakers fund is to tend. They tend to think of uh, a line item for each type of different service and department, and they don't look at the investing more in one may result in a reduction in necessary funding in another. So you underappreciate not only the health benefits of prevention but the cost savings.
0: When we talk about funding, I think most people's minds go to money from the federal government, but how important is it for states to push that money in the correct places and, and make sure it's, it's getting where it goes and then even down to the county, down to the borough? Uh, there's a lot of places here where all it takes is one person who doesn't believe in the idea to divert funds to something else and it gets lost in paperwork, no?
1: Yeah. Well, on average, uh, about 50% of the public health dollars in a state come from the federal government. They go to the state public health agency, who then is responsible for spending them wisely, as you say, and making sure they have the workforce to be able to direct the funds where they're needed. Uh, In addition to that, though, about 50% of the funds for public health in a state uh, come from other sources, mostly state sources. And what we've seen is a great variation in Uh, state-to-state investments in public health. I'll I'll give you an example by looking at the variation in state-to-state funding for public health. In Pennsylvania, the state invests $192 million in its public health department. It has a population of 13 million. Georgia by comparison, has a population of 10 million, 3 million less than Pennsylvania, but it invests $295 million in its state public health department, fully 100 million more. And a state like Massachusetts with 6 million, less than half of what Pennsylvania has, is spending 600 million on its public health department. So if you have the kind of underspending from the state in Pennsylvania that we see, that um, means you, you don't have those epidemiologists, the disease detectives, the laboratory specialists, the communications and policy specialists, the data specialists that you do have in other states, either of comparable size or, or smaller.
0: So we've talked a lot about where we're lacking. Let's look forward. If we wanted to get this right, and we talk about the idea of consistent funding and not letting it become a political football, where is the most urgent need in the public health sector when it comes to funding? And you talked about different States and different levels and stuff like that, but are there things almost across the board that we need to to pump money in so that whenever the next public health crisis comes, we're ready?
1: Yes. When we talk to, um, elected officials at the federal, state, and local level, what they often say to us now is, we can't think of anything except COVID because COVID is just uh, so overwhelming. Uh, But we appreciate what you're saying, that we need to think about the future. We we think that right now is exactly the time for officials at each of those levels to be thinking, when we get through COVID, what do we want to have in place so that we're well-prepared for the next emergency? And we propose in our report that this is the time for officials, elected officials to be having those discussions right now with their health departments to come up with the right amount of staffing and technology and data analysis and laboratory capacity. In the federal government, an, an effort is taking place in Congress where uh, a number of senators, including some that are in leadership, have proposed a 4.5 billion dollar increase, not during COVID, but afterwards, year to year in the CDC's budget, where that $4.5 billion would go out to states and locals around the country. It wouldn't stay at CDC. It would be distributed with the idea of paying for the infrastructure, the uh, core activities that you need to have a department run well. Um, And that $4.5 billion came out of a, a blue ribbon panels analysis several years ago, legislators used to say to us 4.5 billion is too much to think about. It's too big a number to consider. But now many of those same members of Congress are saying we're spending trillions on a single emergency, 4.5 billion as an annual investment in local and state public health. sounds like a goodbye to us now. We we, want to think about making that investment. So we're hoping that gets to the finish line and those dollars are actually awarded to locals and states
0: are you optimistic that we will get this right in the long run or do you think we will fall into what seems to be the the very human condition of the further covid gets from our memory we will revert back to uh, partisan griping over funding for this and find ourselves in kind of the same type of situation if and when we face the next challenge
1: To be honest with you, I think it could go either way. Uh, As I said, we are hearing, like we've never heard before in past emergencies, that um, uh, elected officials are saying, we can't go through this again. We we have to learn the lessons and and invest appropriately in public health. But, you know, we've just seen that often policymakers have a short-term memory and that as soon as things start to get better, they move on to another issue, or they worry about cutting the budget. So we're 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 not sure. I think we're hopeful, but we're not sure. And we, we that's why we really want the public to have an awareness that this can be a turning point. It can be the difference going forward in uh, preventing unnecessary loss of lives, illnesses, and deaths. But it, it's got to. We've got to tackle the resource issues right now if we want to avoid that in the future
0: that's it for this episode of kyw news radio in depth you can listen to the podcast free anytime on the odyssey app and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows i'm matt leon and we'll have another episode out soon